0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. It is currently 8.43 a.m. Central Time. And yes, I'm sitting here in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church, which is located right here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. But even though I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas, even though I'm sitting in a very small church that many would just drive by and look at and go, what in the world is 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 that? What is it doing? Even though that, that's all true, a small church, middle of nowhere, in other words, a church that really has no influence really at all from a human perspective in this local area, we seem insignificant. Even though that's all true because of modern technology, I have the ability to, to turn on a microphone and talk and minister, challenge people all around the world so that the ministry of this church is not limited to, well, the middle of nowhere, Texas. It There's no limit. It, as, wherever the internet is, people can listen to what we have to do, and that is the power of technology, and that is the power of, Of podcast, right? Anyone can turn on a microphone and share their thoughts, share their expertise, challenge, critique, commentary, analysis, whatever. And because of that technology, there are millions and millions of podcasts available to every person on the planet. Anyone who has access to the internet has access to millions and millions of podcasts. And there are so many that sometimes you're a little overwhelmed. Well, which ones do I listen to? Which ones, how much time do I actually, have? what What do I do? And not only do you have all of those, just, just we'll just say podcasts in a general category. There are, at, well, just the Edify Christian podcast app, I think uh, promotes that they have over 2 million podcasts available on their app alone. That's the Edify Christian podcast app. Then you have, say, the Sermon Audio app where you have, all kinds of ministries, millions of sermons available to you. There is just so much. So because there's so much, there there is a tendency, because there's just so much, that you don't really make the, you don't get the benefit from all of the content that is out there. So what I'm going to try to do, we talked about this at the end of 2021. I talked about I wanted all of you to send me your list of the podcasts that you listen to, like your favorite podcasts, the ones that you're like these are the ones I must listen to. And a number of you sent me a list. Now, it did sadly that that challenge to get everyone to participate did not produce the results that I was hoping for because only a few people really participated in sending me their list, which is a little was a little disappointing. Either one that demonstrates that a lot of people really don't listen to that mini-podcast, which would be kind of disappointing and discouraging. Or two, people didn't feel like they really cared to participate in letting me know what they listened to. I don't know which one it was, but a number of you did participate, and I want you to know that I'm very appreciative of that because whenever I, I try, you know, some something and no one participates, then you're kind of like, well, that was a waste of time. But in this particular case, a number of you did, and I and and a lot of you suggested podcasts that I'd never even heard of before. So I'm very grateful for that as well, but which just demonstrates, I mean, I subscribe to probably well over a thousand podcasts. That's just not Christian podcasts, but all kinds. And so for for there to be even Christian podcasts out there that I've never even heard of, that's, that's so awesome that now I've learned about them and I'm trying to go through everyone's list and listen to as many of them as possible and find out which ones I'm going to subscribe to and try to listen to on a regular basis. But what? Uh, but the reason I wanted to do this is I wanted to to turn the spotlight on certain podcasts and say, hey, guys, at least subscribe to these podcasts. Here are the ones that I think you should subscribe to. Now, now before, so what we're going to do is we're going to, in this episode, this is part one, we're going to turn our, the spotlight onto three podcasts that I think you must absolutely subscribe to today. And what makes these three podcasts great is that they're all very, very, very short, right? One is five minutes. Every single episode is five minutes. The other one, it's about 10 minutes, 11 minutes. And I think the other one's maybe like two minutes, so in other words, you can spend, you know, about 15, 16, 17 minutes and listen to three podcasts and not, and and not, these are not even produced. Well, one is produced on a, on a daily basis. I think Monday through Saturday, uh, the other ones I think is maybe like once a week. So really it, it would be very little commitment of time on your part. You could listen to this on your way to work. You could do, you could listen to this while you're washing the dishes. I mean, there's so many different ways you could listen to this and a very, E- easy way and it would and it would still be greatly beneficial to you. So these are very easy, not time consuming. It's not like, hey, listen to this ministry on sermon audio and all of their sermons is an hour long. Okay, that that would be very difficult. This would be very easy for you to do. So that's why I picked these three for our first spotlight podcast episode and what we're going to do is going to do a number of these where I'm just going to say, hey, and we're going to play samples from their podcast where you can get an idea of what they are about. So you can, uh, well, you can make your decision right here. You don't even have to go find them. You can make your decision right here whether you want to subscribe to them or not. But hopefully we will. But before we do that, I have to do a little bit of preaching right here. I have to do a little bit of preaching, okay? And maybe a little, I'm going to say a gentle rebuke. But usually when I say a gentle rebuke, people take it that I'm mean and harsh. So I don't know if I'm capable of a gentle rebuke, but I am going, I am, I guess I'm getting ready to be a little bit mean, all right? I get very, 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 very frustrated and very tired of the fact that in 2022, and this was true in 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017,. I mean, it's been true for a very long, it's really been true since the Internet became just commonplace for everyone. All right, since the Internet had become available to almost everyone, and they have a, a phone either connected to Wi-Fi or you know connected to their cell service, the fact that people have had had all of this available to them. That means that they have had available to them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 24 hours a day, every day of the year. They've had access to Bible teaching, to theology, to doctrine, to hermeneutics. They've had access really, you just think the average Christian, I'm gonna lean over here. That's my phone, right? Right here in my in my hand, right? It fits right here in the palm of my hand, my phone. On this phone, I have access to more Christian teaching, more theological training than people at any time in church history could even imagine. I basically have all of the wisdom and the preaching and the writing and the teaching of of Christian history right here in my hand. I have all of the writings of the church fathers. I have sermons. I have theological lectures. I can listen to teaching from seminaries, Bible colleges, universities. I have it all right here in the palm of my hand. And I hate to say, this is what I really want to do. If you look at the state of the American church with its biblical illiteracy, its theological illiteracy, it seems to be completely clueless on so many things about Christianity. Just talk to the average Christian and start asking them questions about theology. I'll say, I'll ask my church all the time. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. And it's like, what? Okay. You haven't heard about it because you didn't want to hear about it because all of it's available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I have this phone here where all of this information is available. And I, I wish I, I, I wish I was on video and I, I I would it would almost be worth doing this if I if, if if I was on video, I would take my phone right now and throw it as hard as I could against the wall on the other side of the church and hopefully try to break it because that's basically what Christians do. What? Oh, I have access to all of that? Just throw it. I don't care about that. I'm going to use my phone to watch watch cat videos and post pictures of what I had for lunch, or post 900 pictures about whatever, and talk about whatever, and just meaningless stuff. When they could be listening to sermons and and theological lectures, and they could be they could be growing, and they could be growing in their understanding, but they don't want to do any of that. They, they have the tool they, it's like it's literally available to you like we, we I, there was a time. I remember Bible college and at different times especially in the 90s not we didn't quite obviously understand exactly how the internet was going to change how much stuff we were available to us. but I remember there was a lot of discussion that the time was coming that there was going to be a famine from hearing God's word. there's going to be a, a famine. And people were not gonna be able to hear God's word. The church was gonna be so corrupt and there was gonna be no way for people to hear Bible teaching and theology. And a famine was coming where people would not be able to find the word of God. Well, guess what? That's not true. That is absolutely not true. You may say, well, I can't find a good church. You may not be able to find a good church but all of the Bible teaching in the world is available to you via your phone, via an iPad, a computer. So in reality, we've got more of, forget a famine, we're drowning in biblical information, hermeneutics, theological studies. I mean, on and on. We, there, we... We can't even figure out where to begin. I mean, one podcast app, the Edify Christian podcast app, over 2 million Christian podcasts. Now you can say, well, a lot of them are absolutely heretical and insane. I completely agree. But out of 2 million, you can't find anything beneficial? It's just amazing how Christians have been given such an amazing gift. And it's like, shrug your shoulders. eh, Who cares? I'd rather go spend my day on, I don't know, Netflix or Hulu. Or I'd rather spend my time on Facebook posting pictures of my kids. Whatever the case may be. And it's somewhat like, what is wrong with us? It's like, what is wrong with you? You've been given everything. And and we just like, eh, whatever. And there's other Christians in some parts of the world where they don't have access to the internet. They don't even have access to a Bible. And they're pleading and begging, would someone bring a scripture? And American Christians are like, eh, I I don't want to listen to anything. So so one, our attitude towards it just drives me crazy. And another thing that just makes me so frustrated is this is so common for Christians to say, well, I don't know that because no one ever taught me that. Wait, what? Okay, you, you do realize that you could be getting teaching Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday from the time you woke up to the time you went to sleep other than the times you may have to work or go to other responsibilities. You do realize that you could be getting more, it's just, it's, it's just we have more available to us, but the church seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. Like, how do you explain that? We have more doctrine, spiritual food than we've ever had, but people appear to be utterly spiritually famished and starving to death and biblically illiterate and theologically illiterate. And once they are confronted with it, their go-to excuse is, well, nobody taught me. Nobody nobody taught, what do you mean nobody taught you? It's literally like, boom, 24-7. I can remember the day. And I I know I'm dating myself, but I can remember the day going, okay, okay. Now, when school gets out, I need to get in my car and drive as fast as I can to get home so that I can be ready to listen to John MacArthur, Chuck Smith, and and Chuck Swindoll or Charles Swindoll. I can listen to those three because those three came on back to back to back. And I had my notebook. I had my MacArthur notebook, my Swindoll notebook, and my Chuck Smith notebook. And I thought this is the greatest thing in the world. I'm a brand new Christian and I can get all of this teaching right there, right there. And then I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't have access to a lot because I didn't have a lot of money. I was a teenager, okay? But I, you know what I discovered? Well, in Abilene, Texas, there's McMurray. That's a Methodist university. There's ACU. That's a Church of Christ university. And there's Hardin-Simmons. That's a Baptist university. And guess what's available on all three campuses? Libraries. And guess what's in these libraries? All kinds of systematic theologies, church history. And I would go to the libraries and sit there and re- and I had access to everything. Now, I had to get in a car and actually drive to the library. I know, I know that's really like dating myself. I had to drive home and make sure that I had the radio on. And listen to those programs. Sometimes I would put cassettes in and hit record because because I couldn't just listen to them whenever I want. Now I don't have to get in a car and drive to a library. Right here on my phone. Right here on my iPad. I can look up this. I can look up. I mean, we just talked about the other day. There's an app where we have the commentaries on. You need, look at the. It, you just you go through. It, it basically gives you the Bible. And then you look at the verse, and if it's in red, if there's a little red number next to the verse, you click on it, gives you commentary from all of the church fathers throughout church history. And the app is absolutely free. I did a whole podcast episode about that. Can you even comprehend that? Like, there was a time if I wanted to know what the church fathers had to say about a passage of scripture, I would have to go like, okay, you see, there's a, there's a volume of one of the church fathers. And then it was it took forever to even try to figure it out. You didn't really have a necessarily a clear commentary on it. But now, one app, Boom, Just I, I just picked the verse. Obadiah chapter one, verse three. Wait, there's a red number there. Click on it. There it is. That's what the church fathers had to say. Last night I was studying Genesis 37. Boom, there it is. I think it was verse two. Here, here's the church fathers on Genesis 37 two. Right there, free, available to me. You know how many Christians won't even bother to use it? I'll like, ah, ah, what, whoever, who cares, who cares? And then when, and then, and guess what? As soon as you teach something about what the church father said about a passage of scripture, you know what Christians will say? Well, no one taught me, no one ever taught me. Yeah, okay. At some point, stop with the excuses. Like, I don't even know if the excuses were really that valid even, I mean, back in the in the 80s. All the Christians I knew had access to the same libraries I drove to as a teenager and walked in and could read systematic theologies. All I ever hear is, well, no one ever taught me systematic theology. Do you think the first Baptist church that I was a member of when I was a teenager was teaching me systematic theology? No. Or they'll say, well, I didn't have the money to buy systematic theologies. You think I did? I drove to a library. To read them. when No one ever taught me church history. Do you think they were teaching me church history? Like whenever I hear those excuses, I'm like, I went to the same kind of church you went to. So what was the difference? Not because I was more spiritual, because clearly I'm not. Not because I was more godly, because clearly I'm not. But I just like, there's the information. Go get it. <laughs> Go find it. Go. So it's just... I, it's a little. It's a little frustrating how much Christians have and how much we uh, how much we don't use and how much we waste and then we plead ignorance. And it's like well, nobody told me. I didn't know. I, I didn't have a clue. I well, uh, no It's like it's like. So you were. They, they almost act like that. They were locked in a communist country and they were cut off from the internet and all access to anything theological. No, you can. I, I, but I. I've seen it before. You can hand the Christians. All of the stuff in the world, and they just won't even bother. You can have, you can have a church library, where you have books right there on church history, hermeneutics, and guess what? You'll find nobody ever bothers to touch them, pick them up. In fact, I think they're afraid to even walk into the library, thinking that they'll be struck by lightning. Yeah, I've watched it happen. You can literally buy people into church books. Every year say here's the books. We're going to focus on this and they won't touch. You can hand them Bible study guides every quarter and they won't use them. It's just fascinating what how Christians engage in so much stuff. And in the reality it comes down to just a lack of desire, a lack of hunger, a lack of curiosity. And that is something you can't fix. It's just like look any kid who goes to a public school right they have access to so much even back in the day you had the library that was available to you but every kid today is they have so much available to them right for to educate them to learn about history you just name the subject they've got so much available to them Many of those kids won't use and, and, and use all of the things that are available to them, struggle through school, barely graduate, graduate, and then struggle about with so many issues moving on. And it, it's not because of, you can't blame anyone other than, than the co- child did not take responsibility for their own education. And many Christians want to complain about the state of the church. I hear it all the time. Well, the church today is just a mess. Okay, well, amen. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? One, many of them will continue to go to the church that they say is a mess and support the big church because it's nice and has the nice building and all the cool programs and they got their friends there. Um, And it's just, it's just, I don't know, it's maddening. So I'm going to try to combat that, but doing the best I can by saying, hey, here's some podcasts you need to to subscribe to. Will people use them? Historically, I've, I, I realized this, a minority of people will. The majority of people will not. So part of me says, then why am I even doing this? Well, because all you can do is minister to whomever you can and pray that God will use it to benefit someone. So these are podcasts that I think would greatly benefit you. And I think one area of ignorance, one area of illiteracy that has so completely destroyed the church in so many different ways is an ignorance of church history. So I've got two podcasts queued up that I'm going to share with you that you need to subscribe to today that will help fix that illiteracy. And it will only take you a few minutes every day. So in other words, there's no excuse. Now, these podcasts are meant, what they're really designed to do is just kind of briefly say, here's something you should consider and then challenge you to go look and research it more. Now, remember, if you subscribe to these podcasts, and they mention something in church history, they're only going to cover it for like three or four minutes. All you have to do is email newsif at yahoo.com, that's me, and say, hey, I just listened to this episode. They mentioned this in church history. I would like to know more. And guess what? I will do everything in my power to then sit in front of this microphone and give you more. What 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 what's that uh it's an insurance company. I can't remember the commercial is they, they give you more and more. And then each, each time they say more, the something becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Okay. Well, all you have to say is I want more and I will give you more of information, more teaching on that particular subject related to church history to the best of my ability. It may, may not be the best teaching in the world, but I will do the best I can. So that means you have access to more. All you have to do is ask for it. So, Subscribe to these podcasts, and if you want to know more about any particular subject, email me, and then I will give you the more. I'll give you the rest of the story. They'll give you the the overview, and we'll dig in. We'll we'll really dig in and do the best. Uh, I'll do the best of my ability to help you and assist you in understanding more of church history. But we're going to start with two that relate to church history, and then one is related to theology. All right, but let's start with church history. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm not even going to tell you the name of it. I'm just going to hit play, and you'll, you'll, you'll catch on really quick. Here we go.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of 5 Minutes in Church
0: History. Let's do that again because the volume was down. Obviously, if you just heard that, this is 5 Minutes in Church History. 5 Minutes in Church History is... You need to subscribe to this podcast. This did, what was, I, what was very, what made me very happy is I think the majority of lists that people sent to me, this one was one that showed up on the majority of the list. Like like some of the lists, like there was very few things in common. This was the one that showed up on most lists, which was absolutely awesome. Uh, Meaning at least the people who participated in showing me their list was, was listening to a podcast that's dedicated solely to church history. All right, let's go through this again. Here we go.
1: Well, welcome back to another episode of Five Minutes in Church History. This, the first episode of a new year. And while you are thinking about your New Year's resolutions, maybe you're still making a few, here's one for you. How about resolve to read more Puritans? Remember back in the summer, we took the Puritans to the beach with us. I even believe we bumped into Dr. Sinclair Ferguson while we were there. Well, there's plenty more that we can say about reading the Puritans and commending the Puritans to you. But I thought we would take a step back. And say, who are these Puritans and what is Puritanism? I frequently get that question and I think about it a
0: lot. And I want to. So here we are. If you subscribe to this just recently, you got a five minute lesson and an overview on who are the Puritans. It took you five minutes to get an overview. Now, I could walk into many churches, I could walk into many churches, stop sadly, I I would be afraid, I would hope this would not happen in my church, but I, if people were going to be actually in the sanctuary this morning, I could say, okay, everyone grab a piece of paper, write out, who were the Puritans? Who were the Puritans? Go. It would be, I would be scared to when the people turned in their papers to see what would I would find. Now, guess what? Some would probably try to, well, no one ever taught me. Okay. Once again, I'm I'm i I'm, I'm tired of hearing those excuses. The you have access to, and again, people say a lot of people say, "Well, I didn't have money to go to Bible college." You don't have to go to Bible college. You can get a Bible college education, a seminary education, basically on a daily basis by just subscribing to Christian podcast. You really can. All right. So let's 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 see. Let's get this overview. Overview. This five minutes uh five minutes in church history podcast episode is called Puritans One Oh One. Let's see what he's going to say.
1: Put a fine point on this for you. Puritanism is simply this rigorous theology, graciously applied. When we think of the Puritans, we can expand on that a bit and say these were people of keen minds, of impassioned hearts, and of assiduous lives. Now, each of those mattered, and they went together to form a connected whole. But let's go back and look at each particular one. The Puritans had keen minds. These were rational people who loved doctrine, and they always started with doctrine. And this was doctrine that was rigorously thought through and constructed. Their sermons were tour de force. Some of them could count as seminary lectures today. They were so rich and so deep in theology. They had keen minds. They believed that our minds were a gift from God and that we should use them for his honor and for his glory and certainly to study him, the chief of all subjects. They had keen minds. They also had impassioned hearts. They believed in the affections, as Jonathan Edwards would come to say. These aren't simply emotions. That's not what the word affections mean. But it means that that rudder that sort of drives who we are, those passions that drive us. You know, we all commit to those things that we love. We're willing to make sacrifices for those things that we love. And these were the Puritans. They not only knew God, they, in the words of Jonathan Edwards, relished God. Calvin says that a true saving knowledge is a knowledge of the sweetness of God. They read the Psalms. They they knew that there was this desire to pursue God. They were impassioned hearts and they were assiduous lives. What a great word, assiduous. You probably don't use it that often. It means constant in application or attention. We might say the Puritans were diligent, dedicated, and devoted. Not only were they assiduous lives, they were active lives, They believed in not only knowing the faith and and loving the faith and embracing the faith, but they also believed in obeying the faith and living out the faith. Well, to make all of this concrete for us and give us a tangible example, I have one stunning stellar paragraph from the Puritan Jeremiah Burroughs. If you want a place to start, Reading the Puritans, the rare jewel of Christian contentment is about the best you're going to find. Burroughs writes, be sure of your call to every business you go about. Though it is the least business, be sure of your call to it. Then, whatever you meet with, you may quiet your heart with this, I know I am where God would have me. Nothing in the world will quiet the heart so much as this. When I meet with any cross, I know I am where God would have me. In my place, in my calling, I am about the work that God has set me. See what Burroughs is doing there. He's helping us think about God. He's helping us think about our calling, and he is applying it to the life we live. That's the Puritans 101. And I'm Steve
0: Nichols, and thanks for listening to Five Minutes in Church History. And that's Five Minutes in Church History. It's we're putting our spotlight on that podcast. Subscribe to it. Subscribe to it on whatever podcast app you use. If you can't find it, let me know why, and I'll try to figure out why it's not on the podcast app you use or that may be a good sign you need a different podcast app, okay? all right. So you should be able to find it everywhere and it is available on the Edify Christian Podcast app if you want to just find one easy place to find all of your Christian podcasts. Typically, Edify Christian Podcast app makes it super easy. Now, just to give you more The Puritans were members of a religious reform movement known as Puritanism that arose within the Church of England in the late 16th century. They believed the Church of England was too similar to the Roman Catholic Church and should eliminate ceremonies and practices not rooted in the Bible. So simply put, the Puritans were members of a religious reform movement that arose within the Church of England to give even more information. The Puritans were English Protestants in the 16th and 17th centuries who sought to purify the Church of England of Roman Catholic practices, maintaining that the Church of England had not been fully reformed and should become more Protestant. Now, he went more into their character, some things about them, Keen minds, very philological, and and very doctrinal, and that's all very true. And he encouraged you to spend some time this year reading the Puritans, which we definitely, uh, we you should definitely do so. I definitely, I I wanted to give away. We haven't done it yet. I will have to check and see if we have the money. I want to give away a, a, a the box set of the Puritan paperbacks, which would be an awesome thing for anyone to get. Uh, I. I would like uh, the, the box set of the of the Puritan paperbacks myself but I, I I would I would like to try to give away at least one set somewhat expensive box set I can't remember like 30 something 37 40 I can't remember how many paperbacks are in it and they're all. Famous writings of the Puritans and would be an awesome set. So maybe we can do that at some point if we have the finances to do that, because that could really benefit someone who really wants to dive into the Puritan writings. And uh, I think you would benefit greatly from it. But that's five minutes in church history. That's a one po- podcast you should definitely subscribe to. Let's move to another podcast, another one also dedicated to church history. I love the next one because it's almost daily. The the, the five minutes in church history. Sometimes they'll go a week uh, without uh, publishing a new episode, which I don't like. But this next one uh, is the Christian History Almanac, pretty much daily. And let's listen to this one. This one is, is less known. Five Minutes in Church History is the one that gets all of the attention, and everyone knows it. The Christian History Almanac is overlooked by many people. I don't know why, but it, uh, I, I listen to it usually on the way to church when I'm driving to church I, I'll grab the Adify Christian podcast app and if I see it available I will always choose this one first because it's about about five minutes to 10 minutes long and again he, I think he does a good job bringing up lots of things related to what's going on at church history here's the one I heard yesterday
2: it is the 15th of January 2022. Welcome to the Christian History Almanac, brought to you by 1517 at 1517.org. I'm Dan Van Voorhis. So, as a kid, I loved Captain Crunch Oops All Berries, if you remember that cereal. Uh, Apparently, and after about five minutes of internet research... I found out it wasn't actually a mistake, uh, but I thought it was. And I thought they turned a mistake of just putting all berries into a cereal uh, was something brilliant. And so (laughs) I want to welcome you to an oops, all berries episode of the Christian History Almanac. Let me explain. At the beginning of January, I was plotting out the topics for the month so I could start doing my reading and research. And for the 15th of January today, something got into my notes that did not actually happen on this day. And so you can consider this a very rare oops, all berries episode where my mistake becomes uh, delicious. I said, I, I don't know. Let's go. Let me ask you a question and you can pause playback if you're sitting in the car with friends so you can have a debate. What is the most significant church building or church in church history? All
0: right, come on now. What is the most significant church building? What is the most significant church in church history? Everyone should get this right. Everyone. Now, I know what someone's going to say, but no one ever taught me. Well, if you listen to Christian podcasts, you would have known the answer. If Even if you were just listening as recently as yesterday, you would have heard the answer. Or, Or if you've listened to the Theology Central podcast you would know the answer because we've covered this at least once a very long time ago because of all the controversy surrounding this very significant church. One of the most famous significant churches in church history. We've talked about it and and it's and there's a lesson in it. He's not going to mention the lesson, but I'm here to give you more. But let's 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 see, can anyone get, I don't know if anyone's actually listening live this morning, but does anyone know? Everyone has to know this. Everyone has to know this. They have to know this because I think it's so important because I think in a way, all the things that's happened to this building, I think think it burned down. I think it was burnt twice. I can't remember. I'm I'm just trying to, from the top of my head, but uh, I think it really demonstrates the significance of religious freedom Because this demonstrates what happens when you don't have religious freedom. Whoever is in charge, well, they're going to turn the church into whatever they want it to be. Just just listen. That should give it away. That should give it away, right? Everybody should know. Here we go.
2: Hmm. We could go back to some of the churches on the holy sites in Jerusalem and around the Levant, but those seem to be a little more like tourist sites these days or... We could say, what about St. Peter's Basilica? And that's got some really interesting history and some Reformation history. And the Church of the Bishop of Rome has traditionally had some juice. Or what about Notre Dame? That was in the news recently. That's been around for a long time. I might suggest uh, the Angelus Temple in partial jest or the Crystal Cathedral in complete jest. But my actual answer, and this on a date that has nothing in particular to do with this church, the answer is the Hagia Sophia, the jewel of the Eastern Roman Empire, the jewel of the Byzantine world, a hot spot for crusaders, it was a victim of the Ottoman conquest of Constantinople, it was a mosque for 500 years, then it fell to Turkish secularization after the fall of the Ottoman Empire in the aftermath of World War I. And then just recently, it's become a pawn in the politicking of Turkish dictator Erdogan. So let's break down this fascinating church. The location was chosen by Constantine, of course, but can you picture where Constantinople, Istanbul, is on a map? It's on the edge of a strait known as the Bosphorus, on this skinny little land bridge that unites Asia to Europe. And that strait connects the Black Sea and the Mediterranean. So there is perhaps no more crucial spot in this uh, age, especially in the age of Islamic and Christian encounters. The church was planned by Constantine himself, but the project was undertaken by the next emperor, who was called the Great. Can you remember who that was? We talked about him just the other day. That was Justinian. Justinian actually had to rebuild the church after the riots he caused uh, burnt it down. You might remember these riots that then he had to uh, repent of to Ambrose. Fascinating story. The building would burn down two more times before taking on the basic structure it has today. And it is a magnificent church. Think of those remarkable Gothic European churches or think of the Italian churches during the Renaissance. The Hagia Sophia predates those
0: now, a couple of things. It burned down three times. Hagia Sophia—that's the church. We've talked about Hagia Sophia because of all of the controversy surrounding it right now, and it's all the politics and how it's being used. And wait, they're going to turn it back into this. And what? What about this? And and now, uh, to me, what I just find sad about all of it is I just want the history of it preserved, right? I don't. I don't want anyone using it for a political pawn. Just, just preserve the history of it so that people can see what it was. But the Hagia Sophia, that's the church. Now I'm going to continue listening because I think he's going to show you how it, it went from a church to a mosque. Back. Why? Because whichever religion was in charge of the area, they're going to make it what they want it to be and not allow the other people to practice their religion, which is why I'm such a supporter of religious freedom. And if you take away religious freedom, well, then sooner or later, your religious freedom is going to be take- If you take away religious freedom from someone else, sooner or later, they're going to take away yours when you lose power. And that's, yeah, that's, oh, I just, yeah. yeah. We, we, we've talked about this in the whole John MacArthur controversy and religious freedom, um, but
2: let's continue. By 700 to 1,000 years, Given its location in Central Asia and Middle East, you can imagine that it became an object of desire during the Crusades, and it was in fact taken by the enemy, but maybe not the enemy you thought. It was taken by the Western Roman Church about 200 years after the East-West Schism. The church was looted by Crusaders and Venetians during the Fourth Crusade. And then, of course, the year 1453. This is a gigantic year. I might suggest that in the Muslim world, it's a date like 1776 in America, or 1517 among us Reformation Christians. Constantinople, of course, becomes Istanbul, and the church became a mosque under Mehmet II. The Christian iconography, uh, much of it was plastered over, and that's actually good news as it was recovered later. Minarets were added, as were the traditional Islamic pulpits, and the mihrab which pointed towards Mecca. And it stood like that until the end of World War I and the end of the Ottoman Empire in the 1920s. Are you familiar with the name Ataturk? Mustafa Kemal Ataturk was the president of the new Turkish Republic, and he undertook the task of secularizing Turkey in the 1920s. He would meet with a few wealthy and influential Americans who worked under the name of the Byzantine Institute of America. And they promised Ataturk that by turning the mosque into a museum, it would engender solidarity with America and the West. And so, it was done. And it's been this ever since. Well, until recently. President Erdogan began toying with the idea of turning it back into a mosque in 2018. Erdogan envisions a kind of pan-Muslim nationalism with Turkey at its center. And the mosque being a new hub of global Islam. And this caused, as you can imagine, a kerfuffle with Christians and UNESCO and others who helped create the museum as a place for both Christians and Muslims to experience their historical roots in that region. You might look at the recent history of Erdogan as why he chose to do this now, and then of course 2020 happened, and in the midst of, well, all of this, Muslim prayers were offered for the first time in 86 years. In July of 2020, at the Hagia Sophia. It may be of interest to watch this space. After all, it is the location of what is perhaps the most significant church in all of church history. It is the Hagia Sophia. The last word.
0: And there you have it. That's the Christian History Almanac. Please subscribe to it. Please. That, that I mean, look at all of the history you were just given. You don't have to go to the library. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to go to a seminary. All you need is subscribe on your phone and you get the history that, guess what? You claim, no one ever taught me. No one ever taught me. No one ever taught me. It's been available to you on your phone. Okay, yeah, so I'm trying to throw in a little bit of challenge and rebuke here as well because I just get tired of the constant excuses. Well, no, I don't, how am I supposed to learn this? How am I supposed to, oh, just stop for crying out loud, okay? It's grab a phone, hit subscribe, listen. There you go. Wow, that was, that's gonna, I I don't even know if you can survive that much hard work. I don't even know what you're gonna be able to do. I mean, you can literally lay in bed and listen to it for crying out loud. So, but again, Christians will make 900 excuses uh, because that seems to be the thing that we love. To do. So those are two podcasts that we're putting the spotlight on here in part one, five minutes in church history, the Christian history almanac. Both of them are available on the edify Christian podcast app. Still think you should download that app. It just makes it easy to keep all of your Christian podcasts in one app. It just makes it, makes it easy. And then you can use your other podcasts. Now I'm not saying they're not available on other podcast apps. I'm just saying it's just, it's very simple and easy to use that way. But there's one more that we're going to use. This one this one is about five minutes as well, and this one deals with, well, theology. So, where are major issues within Christianity today? People are completely illiterate of church history, and theological illiteracy is a constant problem, all right? So, Here's one that tries to make it very simple, because basically what they do, in fact, it's called, well, well you're, you're going to find out. It's going to make it simple. Just remember that concept of making it simple. Let's just listen, and you'll, you'll hear what, what I'm talking about. Here we go.
3: Yesterday, as my daughter was walking past a boat in Dry Dock, she said, hello, boat. I hope you have a nice rest which was a strange thing for a 20-year-old to say, but am uh, sorry, that was, just a, that was just a hilarious joke. She's actually, she's actually not yet three years old. But even my daughter, at only three years of age, understands that a boat doesn't really need to rest like we do and is not a person that she can actually have a conversation with. What she was doing was anthropomorphizing the boat, giving it human characteristics in order to relate to it. We love to do this with our pets, of course, and it happens all the time in books and movies. Bugs address each other in English, toys have vibrant inner lives, and anthropomorphized cars have eyes rather than headlights. Mickey Mouse would be a prime example of anthropomorphism, and we embrace it knowing full well that mice do not wear shorts, know how to operate a steamboat or oversee corporations with a net worth of more than $120 billion. Or if mice do do that, they are significantly overachieving. I mention this because there are anthropomorphisms all over Scripture, particularly where Scripture talks about God. And it's vital to understand this, otherwise we'll badly misunderstand what God is actually like. We know that God is spirit, meaning that God doesn't have a physical body as we do, and yet God himself speaks of redeeming his people with outstretched arm. Scripture also speaks of God's hand, his face, his eyes, his ears, and even refers to his feet. Scripture also anthropomorphizes God when it talks about him remembering Rachel, or relenting from bringing judgment when Moses implores him to do so. How can an all-knowing God remember Rachel? if it was impossible for him to forget her in the first place? And how can an all-knowing God change his mind about bringing judgment, as if Moses had presented some new information to him that he didn't already know? Similarly, why would an all-seeing God have to ask, where are you, as he does of Adam in Genesis chapter 1? The answer to these questions is that God is relating to his people by describing himself with anthropomorphic language. He does so because, knowing the limitations of our minds and imaginations, he nevertheless wants us to know him, so he speaks in terms which are intuitive and natural to us. So, when we do speak of God using anthropomorphic language, we need to beware of downgrading him by doing so we'd be making a mistake if we concluded from this kind of language that God is merely a man, except maybe bigger and more powerful. But at the same time, if we tried to avoid that kind of mistake by getting rid of anthropomorphic language altogether, we'd still be vulnerable to thinking of him in unhelpful ways. Yes, we could abandon all man-like descriptions of God and insist on speaking of God only as spirit, but in doing so we become vulnerable to thinking of God as being somehow wispy or impersonal or bland. So yes, anthropomorphic language falls short of fully capturing the overwhelming reality of who God actually is, but actually any kind of language falls short of fully capturing any experience, let alone experience of the triune God. And that's why, when God wanted to reveal himself to us in the most unmistakable way imaginable, he did much more than simply use language we could understand. The word anthropomorphism comes from the Greek anthro, meaning human, and Morphe meaning form, human form. Both those words appear in Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7 which describe, if I can put it this way, the ultimate anthropomorphism. It says, though Christ was in the form, morphe, of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form, morphe, of a servant being born in the likeness of men, anthropos. In other words, in Christ, God takes on human form so that we can relate to him. Anthropomorphisms are an attempt to accommodate the limitations of human understanding. We struggle to comprehend what God is like. So God, in his kindness and grace, reveals himself to us in a way we can begin to grasp. When Jesus' disciple Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, Jesus said to him, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In that sense, Jesus Christ is the ultimate and perfect anthropomorphism. I'm Barry Cooper, and this has been Simply Put, a podcast from Ligonier Ministries. Discover more at simplyputpodcast.com. Ligonier creates resources to...
0: There you go. That's the Simply Put podcast that takes theological terms and makes them simply put so that you can grasp and understand them. That was anthropomorphism. When God wanted to reveal himself in the most unmistakable way imaginable, he spoke language that our minds can understand. That's the use of anthropomorphism when you're reading how God is described sometimes in very human terms. But the ultimate anthropomorphism is, well, God becoming, taking on human flesh to make himself known in the incarnation. Anthropomorphism, that's, that's just an awesome way of describing it. And it takes a theological concept that everyone should know because when you're reading the Bible, sometimes you're like, that's, that's anthropomorphic language right there. That, there, there it is. There, you need to be able to identify that language so that you properly interpret it and don't misinterpret it. And I've seen Christian after Christian take anthropomorphism in the Bible and then create some doctrine of God that actually destroys the doctrine of God because they don't understand anthropomorphism. And if you talk, talk about anthropomorphism, you know what they'll say? I was never taught it. And once again, you can literally learn that in five minutes, subscribing to a Christian podcast. Oh, the, the, the horror of having to do that much work to learn a little bit of theology. Uh, theology in simple terms, simply put, uh, here is how they describe their podcast. Have you ever wished that someone would explain theology in a way that doesn't require a degree or a dictionary? Maybe you've listened to a sermon and it seemed like the pastor was speaking another language. Or perhaps you thought that the notes in your study Bible could use a commentary of their own. From imputation to justification, theophany to theodicy, keeping all of the concepts straight can be a challenge for any believer. Simply Put as a short podcast about long words. Every week, Barry Cooper sheds light on a different biblical or theological term using helpful illustrations to apply it to your life. Listen to this week's episode to expand your understanding and deepen your faith one word at a time, Simply Put, and this and january that was january the 4th the episode that we just listened to january the 4th with it was anthropomorphism i chose that one because well a lot of people don't know what anthropomorphism is so i thought you would benefit from it as well so our spotlight today has been placed on three podcasts 5 minutes in church history the christian history almanac and simply put you can subscribe to all three and you could get basically church history and theology Every almost every week, at least uh, probably uh, every week, uh, with the Christian History Almanac, that's that's pretty much six days a week. Sometimes seven days a week. Um, that's easy, and all of that is simple, easy to do, and there's no excuse not to. Other than well, what the, there's no excuse. The reason a lot of people don't is they don't want to, they don't care to, they don't desire to, and that says a lot about your spirituality not the state of the church, all right? Yes, can we criticize the church for its lack of teaching church history and theology? Yes, we can. But your ignorance of it is not excused by the, by the fact that the church is not teaching it it's because you don't desire to know it because it's available to you and very easy ways to get that doesn't cost you any money or time or really effort other than reaching over grabbing a phone, tap on your screen, tap the podcast app, tap the podcast and hit play. Whoa, I don't know with that much difficulty. I don't, I mean, I can't even imagine how anyone gets anything done. Yeah, I'm using a little bit of sarcasm there because at some point, Christians have got to stop making excuses. There should not be any theological and church history illiteracy in 2022. There shouldn't be. Because there's podcasts out there where the us podcasters are doing everything in our power to combat it. The fact that people don't listen and don't make use of it, again, says more about them than it does anything else. So there's your Christian spotlight. That's part one. We're going to do this for other podcasts. If you've got one that you think we should know about, let me know. Newsif at yahoo.com. If you still want to send me your list... For those who've sent me your list, trust me, I've looked at it and I'm going to try to implement some of those. But I started with these because they're short and simple. That's why I started with these. Because the other ones, it's like, well, that's an hour, that's two hours. And people are like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Okay, gotcha. These, no excuse. No excuse for these. All right. So that's That We'll stop right there because I'm running out of time because I got other things now to get ready to do, all right? We got the Sunday school hour coming up. So there you have it. Uh, And we said where we're going to do it at the end of last year, and I hadn't got around to it, and today is January the 16th, so we needed to turn on the spotlight and promote those three podcasts. So subscribe to them, and again, if you listen to them, let me know what you hear, and let me know, like, oh, can you do more on that subject, and I will add more to it. All right, there you go. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. We'll be back on the air shortly. It'll be uh, right here under the Theology Central Podcast, and it's Obadiah, Bible study exercise, Obadiah. Should be a a fun study this morning, and that's probably what we're gonna be doing for the next two hours. So uh, get ready for that, and uh, hopefully it'll be beneficial. All right, God bless.